welcome back to another episode of the John Barker Fitness Podcast. In this episode, Gemma Sargent from Melbourne, Australia, talks about having a healthy relationship with food and how the pandemic has impacted health and fitness in her area. It's nice to meet you. I appreciate you uh, scheduling time out of your uh, day to join me on a call. Yes, super excited. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I tend to try to find... Uh, people who are either coaches or competitors, trainers, uh, or just other influential people in uh, on Instagram or in, in the fitness community. But I wanted to go ahead and, and just talk to you today a little bit about uh, your background, who you are, what you do. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and give us a little intro, um, kind of where you're from, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, okay. So I'm from Melbourne. Um, in Australia, which we're having super fun times here thanks to COVID at the moment. Um, I've been a personal trainer for four years now. Absolutely love it. I am the owner of a mobile personal training business called A Better You Fitness. And I love it because it's such a niche market. We don't really have a lot of mobile businesses going around, but there's such a high demand from it. Because um, there's so many women and men out there that are too intimidated to go to a gym. So allowing us to come into their home, they feel comfortable and safe and you can actually build like a better um, connection and more rapport with that person because you are coming into their personal space than just being like high and by at the gym. Um, what else? I qualified in pre and postnatal training, so I absolutely love helping Pregnant women go through their journey before and after. I've had a lot of IVF stories and successes, which is super awesome, super proud of that. Um, my biggest focus at the moment over the past year or so is in the realm of disordered eating and unhealthy relationships with food. Because um, I just find personally like a lot of people don't realise that they've got a lot of emotional or just unhealthy relationships with food and I like to really kind of delve into that instead of just going putting them on another diet and another diet because we all know diets don't work long term they're just not maintainable and sustainable so that's my yeah that's my philosophy um what else so that that's yeah. a that's a great start I mean I, I love how you brought in mobile training so I when I think of that I, I picture you know, bringing either a lot of your own equipment or maybe you have, you know, the clients have some at their house. What's the most common situation you find yourself in with that mobile training concept? Yeah. So basically my car, my car boot or trunk as Americans call it. Yeah. Um, is a gym. Like it just has everything that fits and doesn't uh, weigh my car down too much in there. So I've got things like kettlebells and slam balls and mats and resistance bands and a few dumbbells just basic things like that and just depending on what type of session I plan on doing with a client I just bring it into their house we might train in their lounge room we might train in their backyard their garage their hallway um, the, the best thing about it is that you don't need space if you can stand up and sit down that is ample space that's all we really need um, yeah, so that's, that's generally the way that mobile works. So just bring in whatever we need. A lot of body weight stuff as well, TRXs. Um, yeah, it's super fun to play with because it makes you have to be a bit more inventive than knowing that you don't have a lap pull-down system. <laughs> you don't have a seated row, but what can we do instead? Right. Um, and that's, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I, I haven't heard of too many people who do that. Um, it, it does seem like something that's growing, especially now with things becoming more 
you know, social distancing, being away from the gym, uh, having more focus in the house is probably um, becoming more mainstream and more common. And now you mentioned you have done a lot of pre and postnatal training and you have a lot of success stories with that. How do you have to adapt the training for those kind of situations? So thankfully, so it really depends on where the client is at. If they come to me and they're pretty fresh, they're pretty beginner, we have to take it and they're pregnant and we have to take it real slow. So it'd be like more type of yoga based stuff, more like quarter squats. But if they've been training with me for, you know, six months, for instance, and then they fall pregnant, then we can keep training whatever we're doing, whatever intensity we're at for the first 12 to 16 weeks. And then we have to adapt because there's these hormones that come into the body called relaxin and it makes the muscles and the joints quite flexible. So if we're to push too hard, they could easily, you know, sprain or break or some, something. <laughs> Obviously, we don't want that. Um, and then there's the blood pressure. There's heaps of different little elements that come into pregnancy that we need to work around. So we kind of just tone it back. We use Swiss balls a lot. Um, we just try not to do anything too high intensity. We need them to be able to talk th- through the whole workout if they get out of breath we're working too hard and then we put the um, baby at risk so yes it's just adapting and just kind of toning the workout back to a much like more of a beginner type level and just not doing any unilateral movements keeping it all in the one plane of movement just to keep it nice and safe that makes sense so you're able to adapt based off of the needs of you know that individual as their body's going through those changes now, it's kind of important, well, it's very important to adapt to those changes. And I, I think one of the things that you had mentioned was when we stick to something like a diet, it doesn't give us the best foundation for success. And oftentimes we can fall into uh, certain routines or rhythms and have an unhealthy relationship with food. And I know that's something that you're uh, focused on. So I kind of want to branch off into that. Um so I guess I would say, how would you describe nutrition and its role or importance with your clients and even in your own personal fitness? I love that. That's a good question. So I, my journey in itself has been a very rocky up and down uh, bulimia. I've had suffered from binge eating disorder. So food is, you know, the foundation. And I find with a lot of clients, it's an addiction to a degree. Like it's something that a lot of us think about often. And I have clients with eating disorders and unlike things like, uh, you know, an alcoholism and smoking and stuff, you can't just give up food. You can't just not eat. You won't live. So we always have to take it at a maintainable and sustainable but enjoyable approach. And that's what I'm massive on is the enjoyment of it all because I've done the diets. I've tried, I've tried them all. I've been there, done that. And we just know they don't work. They're too restrictive. So we look at it in a sense of, okay, what triggers you? So I always try and talk about trigger foods with clients because most people have something, you know, something that we absolutely love and we just can't help ourselves when we eat it and we overconsume it and then we feel shit and then we feel guilty and then we go through this whole cycle of binge and restrict. So I keep it pretty simple. I say, okay, nothing's off limits. Like nothing is off limits at all. But we have certain goals here, and they are protein and fiber. That's my main focus. Um, if weight loss is the goal, which 90% of the time it is, 
we go, okay, here's a calorie deficit. It's only 10 to 20% of their maintenance. I don't let them drop any lower. I never, ever let my clients drop below their um, BMR. So for the people that don't know, that's your basal metabolic rate. Um, keep It's what your body uses energy-wise in order just to keep you alive if you were to be in a coma. Um, and it seems to be this magic number of 1,200 calories that floats around, especially in the female realm, that that's how many calories you have to eat in order to lose weight. And it's bullshit. Like, sorry for the language. It just it, it frustrates me. I'm so passionate about it. It frustrates me that people go, oh, yeah, but that's what this person did. Of course they lost a heap of weight. They're starving themselves. It's not They're not fueling their body for its just general energy needs to survive, to function, let alone to then exercise and have their general movement on top of it. Um, so I never, I always work out my client's BMR and I say, you can never, ever go below this number. It's as simple as that. We drop it slightly and we focus on protein and fiber. That way, if they go, okay, here's your fiber, um, your protein goal sets 100 grams a day and here's your 25 gram fiber goal, your, the rest of your food can be made up whatever you want. So if, if you've met that protein goal and you want to have a piece of cake and you've hit that goal, that's fine. Go for it. As long as it fits within your calories, sweet. And that gives them this like freedom to eat what they enjoy and to eat what they crave and it, so they don't feel deprived because the deprivation is what leads to the overeating and then the feeling guilty and feeling shit about themselves. So did that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, you kind of hit on a lot of a lot of points there, which are really <laughs> crucial, and and I'm grateful for that too. So it, that's it's interesting that you have them focus on protein and fiber. I, I feel like that kind of simplifies even more uh, your typical protein, carbs, and fats because the protein and the fiber are probably one of the two most difficult things to fit into someone's nutrition plan um, if they're just eating on their own, and yes. allowing them to focus on that really says you know this is your priority. And then after that, you can eat what you like, which is great because I'll be honest, there's a lot of people who, including myself, if you don't do that, you can get carried away pretty quickly when you restrict yourself and then flip back to the other side and eat everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So what would be one of the things that you recommend? And I don't, I don't know over there in Australia, if you have uh, food delivery uh, platforms like Uber or th certain things like that, if you have a different version over there. Yeah, no, we have Uber. Yep, okay. we have Uber Eats. Yep. <laughs> so, for let's say someone who you know gets into this routine of you know I'm at I'm at home, I'm gonna go ahead and just order something, and then they, you know, order whatever it is, but they might be ordering you know too much, and it becomes this habit of you know getting stuck in that routine of relying on those delivery systems, especially now with the pandemic being the way that it is, and you know not feeling like they want to go out. How would you help someone kind of get out of that rut that they're in? Well, the first thing I do, so people are very money conscious, right? So I go, okay, let's go to your statement. Let's have a look at how much money you spent over the past week on takeaway food. So we'll go through it. Obviously, it would come to, you know, a few hundred dollars. They're like, oh, that's a lot of money. I say, okay, what happens if we go to, so we've got a thing, I don't know if you've got it, it's called click and collect for the supermarket. So uh, you can so order your stuff Yeah, it sounds online. like something similar. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never used it, but we have stuff like that that's similar. Yeah, so, yeah, you just go online, you order your shopping, and then you can either go pick it up or it can get delivered to your house. So it's like the same sort of thing. So I say to them, all right, if you do click and collect, what's it going to cost you? 
and it always works out to be cheaper. So that's the first thing we look at is money always seems to trigger people. So we look at money first. The main thing that I find that prevents people from ordering things like Uber Eats is being prepared. We all know this meal prep is like life changer. It's like massive. And even to myself, like sometimes I just can't be bothered, but that when I do it, it makes such a big difference because I don't have to think about what to eat. I don't make bad choices because it's there and I've got to eat it. I've cooked it and it's so much cheaper. I don't say people can't have takeaway. I say, if you want to have it, that's cool, but let's try and keep it to once a week. And the thing is, with people being home so much more now, especially here in Melbourne, we're in like extremely strict lockdown. Like they're talking about on the news how strict it is. We can't leave, can't go further than 5Ks from our house. We're only allowed outside for an hour a day so everyone's pretty much stuck at home which now you've got time to cook now it's time to experiment so some of the goals I set with clients is okay let's do two new recipes this week I want you to try two new recipes and then it makes go people cook more as well they're more conscious of it um, and just seems to work out better thankfully I don't have a huge issue with my clients and takeaway it doesn't seem to be a huge issue usually is when I first meet them well we just set it as one of their goals is to reduce their takeaway intake and it seems to work and they save more money so it's like a win-win yeah it's good to look at it from from both sides right because financially it's it's a lot more expensive to do that than it is to cook your own meals and especially when you can order like with click and collect or you know over here we've we've got certain food deliveries where you can get them from grocery stores and you can cook your own meals it, it's also more fulfilling to be able to cook your own stuff rather yeah. than have some, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I suggest is um those meal prep deliveries, like U-Foods. Do you have U-Foods over there? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah, there's like U-Foods, My Muscle Chef. There's heaps of like meal prep companies and even I, my housemate because he's lazy and doesn't cook, that's what he eats. You know, they order it, he orders it, it comes within a day or two, and there's his meals. Heat it in the microwave, two minutes, simple. So the people that are time poor, I always push them down to that because then it's controlled calories as well. It tells them their macros. It goes, and I'm like, all right, always pick ones that are high protein. Then you're going to hit your protein goal, right? So that's another option for takeaway, and it's still cheaper. Right, yeah, it might be more expensive than grocery, but it's cheaper than takeaway takeaway yeah exactly right if it helps in the long run you know it's definitely a win yeah that it's it's incredible how much of a difference that can make and especially when you compile that with the workouts that you're you're helping your clients do then that's when the results really can start to show more so when when you work with your clients do you do more of a meal plan based like where you give them the meals that they're going to be eating or do you only do that if they kind of request it otherwise you just let them go off protein and fiber yeah so I don't meal plan I don't do meal plans at all um that's just not my style I just find that they're too restrictive um people get bored of them I've tried to go off like coaches meal plans I'll last like four weeks and be like I'm over this I'm sick of eating the same thing all the time so just so that it's maintainable and enjoyable, yeah, we just count we just count our calories and we just make sure we hit that protein goal and that fiber goal and they're sweet. So yeah, I know I don't do meal plans. Right. Yeah, and that's I, I personally am not a huge fan of them. I, I know they do work for some people. I've always done macros ever since I started really getting into fitness. It just it's easier for me, even though there's a little yeah. more work involved. 
Yeah, exactly right. There is more work, but it's and because I mean, with the macros and calorie counting, it allows you to be more flexible with it. So if you know that you're going to go out for dinner one night, you go, okay, oh, cool, I'm going to leave like 700 calories for dinner. So that you're not like, whereas if you're on a meal plan, you go, oh, shoot, um, I can't go out for dinner because how am I going to work this out? Like people would like stress about it. And that's the last thing you want to do is stress about food because it's just food. It's just fuel. That's all it really is. Fuel, fuel and enjoyment. Right. It's almost like changing their, their mindset more than anything to really be able to eat, you know, to live and not just eat for the pure enjoyment. Granted, you should enjoy your food, but, you know, focus on the things that are going to help you live a happier, healthier life. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm massive into the mindset side of it than I am the exercise side of coaching. So what are, do you have, I just pictured you know, the certain key phrases or things that you share with your clients, what are some of the biggest tips you have when it comes to that mindset of coaching versus purely fitness side of it? So my biggest one, this has been my mantra for the past two weeks and it's move on. It's just simple, move on. Because a lot of times we'll screw up. We won't stick to whatever we've set for that day. You know, we may overeat something. We may have a little binge or we haven't hit our calories or we had too, we didn't get protein in, whatever it is, or we didn't do a workout. doesn't matter what it is. I'm like, move on. Just move on. It's yesterday. That's yesterday's problem. Why, why think about today? Because one day of not doing, hitting your goals that you set is not going to derail your long-term process. You know what I mean? Like it's just move on from it. And it seems to have had a massive impact on my clients in the past few weeks and on myself because I used to beat myself up so bad about it. Whereas now if it happens, I'm like, oh, well, tomorrow's a new day. And I've proven to myself, um, like in the middle of doing a transformation challenge with my clients because it's winter um, and that's the hardest time to get people motivated. So I always run a challenge in this time of month because it just keeps people locked and loaded. They learn heaps. And then summer comes around and they feel so much more confident in themselves and they form these better habits. And, yeah, and that's been one of the best, biggest things is just move on from it. Just don't let it get to you because guilt is just not part of the journey. We don't want it. It's not necessary. Um, so that's been one of the biggest ones. And another one has been if it – nothing changes if nothing changes. So – if you're not going to put the effort in to change your eating habits or your exercise habits, whatever it is, nothing's going to change. You're going to remain the same. Um, so they're probably the two biggest like kind of mindset, like quote type things I use with my clients. And they seem to have, yeah, a really good impact. So would you say that one of the kind of the opposite of what, what you're saying, one of the problems about, uh, one of the problems with people not being able to move on is that they fall into a cycle of having that guilt and then falling into bad habits because they're hard on themselves. Yes, 100%. Yes, exactly like that. They just go in that because it is a vicious cycle. It's, oh, that's when failure happens, when people start to feel guilty and then they give up because they feel like they're a failure and then they reverse everything that they've worked so hard to do and then they're back at square one. And that's the whole cycle of dieting um, is because diets aren't like things like um, like the detox diets, you know, or like the commercial diets and stuff that people go on, the really strict ones, 1,200 calories, for instance. It's not maintainable long term. So it, you can't physically 
do it for a long period of time. And then when as soon as someone fails it in their eyes and they, you know, they eat 1,300 calories or 12, uh, 2,000 calories, whatever it is, they go, oh, I've screwed up. I might as well stop. I'm a failure. I feel guilty. I'm not good at this. I can't do this. And then that's when they just fall off the bandwagon. So teaching my clients to forget about it and move on from it, we've actually been able to just keep progressing through it. They just push past. I'm like, and I'll have clients message me and be like, oh, I just ate a whole packet of raspberry licorice and I feel so bad. I was like, oh, well, it's happened now. Move on. And sometimes it might take them a few hours, but eventually they'll be like, you know what? Yeah, it's happened now. Why should I hold on to this guilt? Right. And they could, you know, if they do hold on to that guilt, they could find themselves, well, I did that, so I might as well just have this too. And then it turns into that giant, you know, downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we try and avoid that by just teaching ourselves and teaching them just to move on from it. So I, I kind of get the idea, kind of where your answer might be on this next question. But if you had one piece of advice to give to like the fitness community, the world in general, what would that piece of advice be? Goodness me, that's a big question. Um, it would be, don't be so hard on yourself. The journey isn't linear. The fitness, your fitness journey is a roller coaster. It's got its up and down. You will have heaps of speed bumps. It's never going to be smooth. You're never going to just continue to lose weight and then lost it and you'll be happy. It just doesn't work like that. So just don't be so hard on yourself. What Baby steps, little changes. I'm all about habit creation. Find something, change it, whether that's, you know, cutting out soft drink out of your diet. It has to be super simple. Not a whole let's cut sugar, but let's cut soft drink out of the diet or pop or whatever you want to call it. And then once that's been achieved, you know, four or so weeks and you find that, you you know, you don't really need it anymore, you found an alternative, maybe that's soda water. And then find another habit and change it. And slowly that adds up to the big result. But guilt, it's the killer of dreams, I reckon. Just don't be hard on yourself. Just keep it simple. Move on. You're human, as I say to my, a lot of my clients. You're human. That's that's a really good point because why, in all reality, would we ever want to be something that we're not? It just doesn't work that way. And so I, I think that's really powerful about being able to have your clients not be so hard uh, on themselves and to slowly change those habits over time, right? And having that guilt is, is really going to kill any of that progress that we're aiming towards. So I, I think that's really powerful. Yeah, great. Yeah, I love it. That's that's my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, I definitely appreciate the the time that we've had on this call. I, I do want to let everybody know where they can find you. So if if you do have a, a preference in terms of Instagram or email or however it is, uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch? So I have both an Instagram and a Facebook page at it's a better the letter U and then fitness. So a better U fitness. Um, and you can find me and email me or DM me or whatever on there. Um, I honestly take any clients from around the world at the moment, thanks to the good old Zoom. Thank goodness for Zoom. Um, so I can train anyone anywhere. And it doesn't just have to be personal training. It can be life coaching, it can be nutrition-based um, coaching. But my goal is to help as many people as possible. That's perfect. I, I will go ahead and put those things in the uh, description for the show so that way it'll be available for anybody to see and reach out to you 
and I really appreciate your time on the, the call today. Thank you so much. It was good fun. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the John Barker Fitness Podcast. Check out the episode description for info on how to get in touch with Gemma and be sure to follow her on Instagram and on Facebook. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and share this episode with your family and friends. Lastly, if you want to support the show, check out the affiliate discount links in the description for discounts on Bucked Up, Built Bar, and more. We'll see you on the next episode.